Howdy guys, welcome back to the Mighty Thor podcast. I am one half of the co-host for this show, you can call me Ed. I'm the other half, Terry. We try to get together every fortnight or so and talk about some Marvel Thor comic books old and new. We are a spoiler podcast. Not too big a deal when we're talking about Mighty Thor, the 1966 volume issues 142 and 143 today. They're 45 years old. You've had plenty of time to read them. Yeah, yeah, come on. Now, the other book, Mighty Thor, or I mean, uh, excuse me, we're going to do Journey into Mystery, uh, the 2011 volume, issue 626.1. Now, that one we might spoil. Really? Although I don't, yeah, because... Hasn't it been out for like almost a month now? No. Oh, it okay. came out last week or the week before, so they might not, if it's in with the September order, those don't come in until the first week of October. Well, if you haven't gotten it yet, just la, so, la, 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 with your fingers in your ear. Yeah, well, it makes a pretty pattern on the recording. It did? Okay. Yeah. Um, or just, you know, we'll, we'll save you, it for later. We'll, we'll let you know when we get ready to do it that way. You kind of have a heads up. Yeah, you can save us for later. But first, we're going to start with... Uh, like I say, 1966 volume of the Mighty Thor, issue 142. And this issue starts out with a lovely picture of a um, demon-esque looking green humanoid demon with pointy ears. And a lovely purple outfit. And he is ripping up the wall of a huge building. And from the edge of infinity, he comes possessing all the blockbusting powers of the Fantastic Four. The scourge of the Super Scroll. Purple outfit and green skin. Yes. Reminds you of anybody Hulk. else? Yes. Although Hulk doesn't have 20 years. No. And he can't take on the powers of the Fantastic Four. No. So, so we start out this, this issue of Thor in, in a rather silly way, I thought. Thor is kind of standing in the middle of the street in this dude on a motorcycle comes up and says, well, let's just race. And Thor's like, hmm, well, sure, let's do it. And uh, this is, by the way, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Vince Coletta, and Artie Simic. I'd like to mention those guys since they worked so hard on it, even though it was 47 years ago. So Thor says, yes, I agree to your race request, but we can't do it here. Because we have way too much traffic and I don't want to hurt anybody. We can't be speeding through all this stuff. And the guy's like, yeah, I figured you'd chicken out. And Thor's like, oh, no, don't be alarmed. But here, let's let's just get out of the way here and find somewhere where we can truly race. And he hops on the bike and he starts twirling the uh, Uru hammer and lifts the motorcycle like a whirly bird into the air. And by now, the motorcyclist is like, I was just kidding. Can't you take a joke? Get me out of here. And Thor's like being very, um, what's the word? Anyway, he's, he's like, oh, no, no, no. You've said this is what you want to do. So let me take you somewhere where there's meteors and blazing comets and we can cycle for victory. And, and you might be awarded the Asgardian Wreath of Heroes when you win. We, we'll just get out of the way here. And I'll have you there in no time flat. And the motorcycle is like, I just want to get down in one piece. So Thor finally says, okay. He finally decides to let the guy off the hook for his um, silly little escapade and gets him back down to earth and lets him go and says, you know, we never did really see who was faster, me or you. And the motorcyclist is telling him, don't worry about it. As far as I know, and anybody else will ever know from my lips, it'll be you, Thor. You are the fastest. And Thor decides he's played enough. So he goes and finds him a secluded area after letting the motorcyclist go and turns back into Dr. Blake so that he can go and, and tend to his patients. Meanwhile, back in Oblivion, the space in a lonely, endless space-time continuum, we find the evil Loki, still victim of the haunting exile to which he has been condemned by Imperious Odin. And he's once again lamenting the fact that it's all Thor's fault. Everything's Thor's fault. He's never done anything wrong. And it's all because of Thor that he's in trouble. And he hates Thor. Yep. 
pretty that's much. His, sums that's it up. his song and dance that he pretty much does 24 7. And he's decided that even though his body is trapped in this, imprisoned in this universe, that his mind can roam at will. And he has been searching day and night trying to find something that is powerful enough to take down Thor. And he thinks he's finally found it. I like the scene of space with the two eyes. Yes. Uh, that's, that's, the, where, where Loki's looking through space yeah, trying to find that's the... pretty cool. It's pretty cool. There's a lot of Kirby-esque machinery-looking stuff in these next few pages where um, Loki has found the scroll within a lonely survi- survey ship, and he's, he's going to do a mind-meld kind of thing, kind of force his thoughts onto scroll. And we met Skrull in the Fantastic Four number 18. And he was created, bred and trained, to defeat the Fantastic Four many years ago. But he did not succeed. And he was sentenced to patrol the endless skyways of nowhere. I like that. Sentenced to patrol the endless skyways of nowhere. Super Skrull. Super Skrull, I'm so sorry. Yeah, not just Skrull. He's a Super Skrull. Oh. And that's what makes him a Super Skrull. See, the scrolls are a shape-shifting race, mm-hmm. but they can only shape-shift into one thing. Right, and he can shape-shift shape shift into any of the Fantastic Four type beings. Right, that four there different are. power yes. sets. So Loki, in ghost-like form in these panels, is talking to the Super Scroll, planting a seed in his unsuspecting brain that he should go and <coughs> defeat the God of Thunder. And then, yes, and then Asgard itself might be invaded by the Skrull legions, and immortal Loki, the prince of evil, will battle at his side. And just consider how great and glorious you will be when you have done that. And, of course, Super Skrull is very um, well, he got easily beat up. swayed. He got beat up by the Fantastic Four, yes. and his people are like, you know, you don't even count. You gotta. Yeah. So he's very easily swayed by this um, thought. And says, okay, here I go. So he goes off to Earth. And Loki is waving his fist going, yes, Thunder God, you are about to get your just desserts there. So the um, Super Scroll is using some kind of force field to make an entry capsule so that he can descend onto Earth. That is the power of uh, Sue Storm. Sue Richards, Mrs. Fantastic. She could make herself invisible. She could also make a shield. She can project a invisible shield? force fields. Okay. And he has just projected it and surrounded himself with it. She may not know that or, you know, I mean, it, or, but he's had the powers and had time to, to play with them. To play with them and figure out. She may be able to do that at this point. I'm not sure, but that's, that's what that is. Okay. So now he's pulled the flaming power of the human torch to um, try to gather, to try, try to gain, gain um, thun, the God of Thunder's attention. He's trying to um, harass the human beings enough to where Thor will take notice and to come, draw Thor out. To, to come and save them. Yeah. And at first they think it's the human torch, but then they realize, no, it's not him. And, and they hear him shouting a challenge, and he's yelling for the God of Thunder. And everybody's like, well, if anybody knows where Thor is, please, <laughs> please, tell him to come on. And at that very instant, Donald Blake sticks his head out his window of his office and says, well, that's the Super Scroll, exactly as described by the old newspaper reports. He must be stopped. He's a well-read man. I'm telling you. And he turns into Mighty Thor and flies out the window and meets Super Scroll and says, you, you just might as well get back because here's the God of Thunder and I'm ready to take you on. And Super Scroll is like, ha! You're finally here, but I am going to beat you within an inch of your life. And Thor's like, mm, I don't think so. We'll have to see. So he creates, Thor creates a whirlwind so that he can deaden the flame. Because right now the Super Skull is using the Human Torch's powers and abilities. And Thor's like, Neener, told you. So the Super Skull is like, okay, what can I do now? Ah, I'll turn into the thing. So he turns into the thing. So that he will possess the power of the thing and, and not be stopped. And he lifts this huge 
piece of building, the, the roof of a building up and, and holds it up and flings it over at Thor and said, you will be destroyed because that's just the way it's going to be. And Thor manages to somehow kind of evade and duck down and, and miss being um, hit by the building to where it doesn't hurt him. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, Odin has summoned Balder to him because he has a mission for him. The deadly enchanters have been discovered in Ringsford, and he wants Balder to go and slay them. And Balder's like, well, the enchanters have powers almost equal to you, Odin, but in your service I shall know no fear. I will go. Sif comes running in and says, Lord, my Lord, I crave permission to go with this friend of Thor to the land of Ringsford. And I know it well. Let me serve as a guide for Balder. And Balder's like, no, you can't go with me because if anything happens to you, Thor will never forgive me because Thor has chosen you. And Odin's like, no, she is a goddess of the realm and is just as, as able as any of you guys to go out there and fight. And she has volunteered, so therefore she shall go. So they ride off to go to Ringsfjord. Ringsfjord to fight the enchanters. And Balder is kind of like, man, Thor's really got it made. He's got this woman who's fair of face and gentle of form, and yet a mighty warrior. He's just got it all. So while they're riding off, Thor is still fighting the Super Scroll. They should change his name. So he is hanging off the side of a building by his hammer alone, and the scrawl decides to use the um, power of Mr. Fantastic, which is a stretching rubber bandy ability he can he can stretch out, and he reaches for Thor and he entangles him so that he can no longer use his hammer and can no longer move, and he entangles him up, and Thor uses one burst of strength and breaks free. And that seems to really mess with the Super Scroll. He's like, he doesn't understand why Thor could break free from him like that. He said, but that's okay. I shall still win. And he once again uses the stretching powers of Rich, Reed Richards so that he can thwart Thor's attack back at him and come back at Thor again. And while he's coming back at Thor, he changes his powers to, and you'll have to help me with this one, the girl. Uh Sue Storm. Sue Storm. And he's turned himself invisible. And Thor can no longer see him. So he's crashing around with his with his hammer trying to trying to crash into this invisible entity because he can still hear him because he's the guy's still talking to mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And he and Thor's like, Well I, I you know, I'll I'll find you and because he can't see him, the scroll the super scroll is able to just start beating Thor. He's using the power. It's it's amazing to me that he can use all the powers at the same time if he wants to because he's using the power of thing to hammer at Thor while he's invisible. So he's got Thor kind of reeling, and he decides to bring out the flames of the human torch and melt Thor. He's going to try to melt Thor, and Thor's like, I don't know if Earth can stand this, you know, the... The torch never never tried anything like this. I think you're going to um, destroy Earth. And Thor's thinking, it's no longer just me. It's all of mankind. So I really have to do something about this now. And he starts running. And the Super Skull's like, well, you're running away from me. You, you're scared. You, you, you realize I'm going to beat you. And he goes after Thor, but Thor manages to get far enough in front of him to where he can turn and start twirling the hammer again so that he can make this blinding storm that will not only throw um, the super scroll off but it will also extinguish its flames because of the wind and stuff and Thor's like and I have more than this at my command and he, he calls upon the storm to have to come about and so the heavens open up and there's a rain which puts the fire out immediately and um, Thor's like it doesn't matter what you do i I will, I will beat you until the ashes of Ragnarok are gone. The victor shall always be Thor. And Super Skull is like, no, I'm going to win. So now they're standing in the pouring rain doing the one-up thing at each other. And Thor smacks him real hard with his mallet. 
even though the Super Scroll has put the force field of, Susan, of Sue Storm around him, it goes through the force field because nothing can withstand Thor's hammer. And he, and he just keeps beating over and over and over at the Super Scroll. And Super Scroll realizes, I have to do something else. So he picks up Thor, but Thor grabs him with his legs, and they kind of just topple over into the side of the building. They're tearing up the building, and they're still just continuing right now to, to just exchange fists more than anything, more than any superpower. They're just beating at each other. And Thor's like, I have to do something. I, I finally have you a little bit bowed down, and, and but I can't kill you because I've, I've already said that I will not take a, a life of anyone, even you. So I have to think of something I can do that will get you away from Earth and away from anybody that you can hurt, but not kill you at the same time. So he creates an anti-force with his mat, with his hammer and smacks it down and, and, and kind of aims it at the Super Scroll, and he lifts up into the air. He's caught in the grip of a force that is taking, taking him out into space. And Thor says, you shall be out there forever. But he feels like there's something, even though the Super Scroll is floating out into space and no longer there to do him any damage, he's like, I don't think he was really my true enemy, though. I don't think he was the one. I think somebody put him up to it. And he's, he's pondering upon that. And they take us back to Loki, who's out there in, in nowhere, mad because the scroll has been defeated. But he says, the victory shall still be mine. I will find something, something that will defeat the god of thunder. And with him, his beloved earth. So that's that issue. What do you think, Ed? I don't know. I thought the motorcycle race was pretty funny. Well, I it mean, was kind of it was kind of um, almost petty for for well, Thor's normal character. He normally doesn't play with human beings that much unless it's the bad guy. Sometimes he'll play with the bad guy. Well, I mean, I'm you know I'm the first to say that Thor, being who and what he is, you know, needs to face these big gigantic threats and, and everything like that. But you know, here's a case of it was just a cocky human, and Thor was in a good mood. So he just wanted to put dude in his place. He decided he wanted to play. That's you know that's all. There was no harm done. He took him flying up in the sky, made him beg to come down, and then he put him down. Eh, no big deal. The um, enchanters kind of interest me. That's the next book. What they're going to be? Who they're going to be? Are they anybody we know? If they are true enchanters, true magicians, you know something like that. How can any of these these guys, Baldur, Sif, Thor, assuming he gets involved, which I would imagine that he will because mm-hmm. it's his book. Um, you know, here's enchanters that can do something to these people before they even reach them, before they even get anywhere near them. So how in the world do you defeat a, a villain like that? I don't know. We'll have to see. You know, maybe they can suck all the air out of your lungs while you're standing there make a giant ocean appear over top of you to where you're thousands of feet beneath you. Or, you know, I mean, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I'm, so, I'm, I don't know. So, do we see the Super Squirrel again? Um, Were you familiar with him? Yeah. you. Uh, we might see him in, in Thor. Uh, he, he seems a pretty nifty villain to be a Thor villain because he has all those powers. But, yeah, we'll continue to see him um, on and off he even has a name, and it's almost coming to me. Bok, B-O-K is the last part of it. That's nah, not coming. But um, even to the extent that in the recent big crossover event called the, uh, the, the Scroll War, uh, supposedly for years the Scrolls had been kidnapping Earth heroes and replacing them. Mm-hmm. And they had refined this technique to where, in essence, mentally, the scroll became the hero. Because, you know, using certain uh, psionic or magical techniques or things like that, you could tell a scroll. They could figure out who it was. But the scrolls developed this technique that allowed them to completely become the other person. So they were replacing heroes uh, over time with the thought that at one point, 
will activate all our sleeper agents and we'll conquer the earth. Well, that time came and they did. And uh, the force, the, the, the military force that the scrolls brought with them had a lot of super scrolls with them. But the super scrolls that were in that, each super scroll took on all of the powers of a team. So you had super scrolls for Avengers and Fantastic Four and X-Men and Champions and Defenders. Mm. And, you know, every Marvel team that there has been, mm-hmm. there was a super scroll who already was a, a big, they're, they're called a war scroll because mm-hmm. they're bigger and everything. Uh, but they had, you know, all these even more devastating powers than just the powers that the Fantastic Four had. Um, I think he finally, like, turned on them before the war, but I think he finally, like, went good and hmm. stuff okay. like that. So, but yeah, he, he's another character that will, will be around. Uh, he's not strictly a Thor. He's a Fantastic Four villain. But, yeah, he'll he'll be around and probably Cyborg, PSYB. We'll have to see if we see him come up again. Well, let's move on to issue 143 of the Mighty Thor. And on the opening cover, we see Balder and Sif and Thor. And two strange bright lights encased around some humanoids coming down to Earth. Balder the Brave, the evil enchanters, the stunning Sif, panic in the city. This is it, true believer. And soon shall come the enchanters. And this one starts out, once again, rather silly, a rather silly scene, I think. He And Thor is in the local soda shop having himself a libation, a little frothy pink libation with a straw. Yeah. And um, the soda jerk is saying, well, the, now this drink's going to be always known as my Asgard special. And Thor's like, well, even the Thunder God gets thirsty now and again. This book is also by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Bill Everett and Sam Rosen. So Thor is being um, besieged by all the girls and a few of the guys to, to, to tell them you know, about his life and where he's from and, and everything that he does. And they're like, oh, just stay and tell us a story. See, so he's like, there's no way that you could comprehend or even know what I understand, what I could tell you. He said, but your interest gladdens my heart. So just let me go ahead and start telling you a little story. So he, he tells them to listen carefully and empty their minds of all earthly thought because he's going to lead them in spirit far beyond the lonely mortal veil. What did he say? Sit right back and you hear a tale? A tale of a fateful trip. Yeah. So then our next panel is kind of neat looking. It's the universe with Thor's face kind of starry looking, planety looking in with all the planets. Now, see, you guys really didn't get the full effect of her description because Terry was sitting here doing all kinds of things with her hands while she was trying to describe it to you, and so a a lot of it was kind of left out. But just imagine that she's doing all this, like, magic-y, hocus-pocus-y kind of motions with her hand while she's describing that to you, and and that gives you a a little bit fuller uh, image of, of what Terry was trying to get across. It helps me talk. When I'm, I use my hands. I'm, I'm not knocking it. It's just, you know, we, we have to pass those things on because this is voice only. They yeah. Can, you know, no so. visuals, yeah. which is probably a good thing. So then he's, he's like, he leads them in their minds with his mind to Asgard. This is a lovely three-quarter page panel of an idealized vision because it's not it doesn't really look like this in any other scene that I've seen no. it of Asgard. But it's it's kind of if someone was trying to describe to you Asgard and you just can't imagine what it would look like, it's this big pile of machinery and smokestacks and, and glittery and gold and and it's surrounded by clouds and ray beams of light and stuff so and of course bifrost leading up to it and comets going everywhere and he tells them about Hemdel, the eternal garden guardian of the golden gates i'm sorry not a garden i'm sorry 
Asgard probably does have gardens. They probably do have a garden because I, that's what the butterflies are that Hemdel can hear their wings. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't from think a thousand worlds away. Any of the gardens are named Hemdel. But you just you wait know. till you're doing your book, and I'm going to make fun of you. Okay. So he he tells them that it's really it's truly beyond description, and he really can't describe it. And the the pictures, the art is just awesome. I wish you could see the art. And then he starts to tell them about Odin, and we have this full page of a huge close up onto Odin's face. He looks kind of cat-like almost in this picture. Yeah, he does. With this, with his huge helmet on and his um, armor on his hands. His hands are, are encased in metal. And they're talking about um, Odin, the lasting power of lightning and the living judgment. He's Asgard incarnate, and he's my father. I get to call him dad. says. He's like, okay, that's enough, because you all aren't really understanding what I'm saying now. And they're like, no, 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 we are, we are. Don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. And he's like, no, I've got to go. And they're like, no, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. He's like, I said i got to go. Get off of me. And the girls are like, but if there, if, if there, if they're more like you, we want directions to Asgard so we can go see more men like you. And Thor's finally had enough, and he starts twirling his hammer so he can fly away from these people. He's like, they're just as bad as any unearthly menace, but I kind of like it as he's flying away. So Thor just said, I want to fly away. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let's not see. So he decides that he's going to resume the mortal life of Don Blake because he uh, he has someone he has to talk to. He knows that he's gotten a test back for one of his patients, and he has to talk to him because he knows his patient is scared right now because he thinks there's something wrong with him. And just as he gets there and finds the document that was sent to him, about the tests that were run, the gentleman walks in, and and Dr. Blake is telling him, no, you're fine. There's, the tests are all negative. You don't have cancer or anything, and you're just fine. And the man's like, I'm going to be okay? And Dr. Blake said, yes, you are. You're going to be just fine. And then the joy and, and the relief that he sees in the man just makes him feel warm and fuzzy all over. So we leave Thor being warm and fuzzy as Dr. Blake, and we go back to Balder and Sif as they have reached the dreaded land of Ringsfjord, and they're looking for the dark enchanters. And they're kind of hoping they don't find them, but they're kind of hoping they do, because Asgard faces peril most dire, because their powers come from beyond the realm and are said to be the equal of Odin's. So as they're riding along, the earth starts to break up underneath them, and Baldur's like, we need to, to lose our steeds and get onto our feet, because we'll be safer that way. And as they're standing there kind of trying to find their footing on this earth that's just falling apart, they're pulling their swords, getting ready to fight whatever it is that's out there. And, and Balder calls forth the challenge, show yourself. Quit being such a big sissy and show yourself and let us fight you. And a cloud begins to take shape and there's a face in the cloud. And Balder's like, you little weenie, why are you so cowardly that you just send an empty cloud? And Sif's like, shh, don't make him mad. Don't make him mad. And Baldur's like, I don't care. Well, the cloud kind of forms into this giant beast with a hammer and takes his hammer and smacks the crap out of Baldur for calling him some puffy little cloud. What color is the beast? He's yellow and black. He's green. Oh, down here. Okay, yeah. well, we haven't gotten that far yet. He's green with blue, though, instead of purple. He looks kind of hulkish. Why are all the monsters green? I don't know, but he does. He looks more hulkish than the um, yeah than the, the Super Scroll did. Yeah, yeah. He's got the same build as the Hulk at least. Doesn't have the big pointy ears. Yeah. Spock ears. Yeah. The Super Scroll had Spock ears yeah. too. So. Yeah. What so. If he had a pinch? I don't know. Or the mind could, meld. If if he could well, live long and prosper, I doubt if he was telling anybody that. Oh, okay. He's not a nice guy. So. Balder is knocked back by the heavy mallet and Sif's like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. I will strike because I will not be stilled. I am an Asgardian warrior. And the big green giant says, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Said that his, his strength is being squandered on a mere female. He seems quite offended. You would think big green giants would know male from female and that kind yeah, of maybe stuff. Maybe he gets around a little bit. Maybe he does. He's a giant around town. I guess so. So Balder is like, no, Sif, let me fight him. And Sif's like, I can do it. I can do it. And they're both going after the big green giant. 
and they manage to, to strike him, but it doesn't do any good. The big green giant grabs Balder and is choking him, and Sif's like, I'm going to save you. And Balder's like, no, this is my fight. And he brings up a forceful fist and says, for Asgard and honor eternal. And apparently that gives them magical powers whenever the Asgardians do that. Because I notice any time they're in a battle and they're about to be defeated, they start calling for Asgardian honor, and it seems to strengthen them, and, and, and they can fight better. And they he manages to force the giant evil thing back, and it disappears and just vanishes. And they're like, well, the Enchanters are sure to come soon because we've just vanished the, vanquished their warrior. And lo and behold, there they are. They're up on top of the mountain. And they are, in this next picture, it's a full page of the three enchanters. They are obviously men-type, humanoid-looking beings. Uh, I don't, I'm not quite sure who they are yet. They are the, they have the living talisman, and they are Magnir, Forsung, and Brona. I think the living talisman is that symbol that's in their chest. Okay. So it's in the chest of two, but you can't see the third guy. Right. In the middle of each chest is this face plate that contains a face. Uh, it's very reminiscent of the robotic face that the Captain America villain Arnim Zola uses, if you any of you guys are familiar with that. Um, but it's just it's it almost looks like they're they're hollow and there's a like a viewport and, and a, a little person inside is looking out. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's more the image of, of just a face on, on their their front armor there. But apparently this gives them power beyond measure and, and limitless. So they're talking about what they're going to do now that they've, they've got these two here because they were goading Odin about, which is why they, he sent Balder and Sif there. So they've decided that... Um, these two, the, the, they will end them right here so that they can move on. So they turn the ground into quicksand, and they both start to sink. And Baldur's like, Lady Sif, I'm not quite sure what we're going to do now. And Lady Sif's like, we're going to use my power. And I don't know if you'll remember back a few, um, few issues ago, the Mighty Th- and Thor 139, there was some issue Thor and Sif were in a quandrum, and Sif was able to use this power to kind of she kind of circumvents time and space and manages to shift them to somewhere else. Kind of like a one-way teleport. Yeah, like a one-way teleport. Just out of trouble to someplace yeah. safe. So she manages to find Baldur's hand because she has to be touching the other person that she's that, that is going with her. Manages to find his hand and say, let's be gone. And they, they transport faster than the speed of thought itself to Earth. They go to Midgard. And they start looking for Thor because they realize that the enchanters are up to no good and they have to have Thor's wisdom and strength and knowledge. So they start looking. They're, they're standing in the middle of the street and they're kind of holding up traffic, asking everybody to find Thor. Where's Thor? Can we speak to Thor? And Dr. Blake's trying to do some work and he hears all this ruckus going on. And he goes and shuts his window. And they're still down there going, where's Thor? Find Thor. We'll leave you alone if you just find Thor. And the police are finally like, well, Dr. Blake can sometimes find Thor for us when we need him. So let me take you to Dr. Blake. If nothing else, he'll deal with you two, and I won't have to anymore. So while they're going off to find Dr. Blake, we go back to the land of Ringsfjord, and we see that the um, three enchanters are very happy about the fact that they are at Midgard, that Baldur and Sif are at Midgard looking for Thor. That was kind of what they wanted to happen, and they are... Go, proceeding on with their plan, we have Brona and um, Magnus. Yes, thank you so much. Are going to Earth to fight Balder and Thor and Sif, while um, Forsung it goes to Asgard to vanquish Odin. And they're telling him to be careful because they, he's just one and they're two. And he's like, I'm not worried. I'm an enchanter. I'll be okay. So the the two head off to Earth. The one is heading off to Asgard. So they find the Sif and Balder are led into Dr. Blake's office. And, and they're asking him, can you find Thor for us? 
And he's like, Balder, Sif, what are you doing here? What's happening? What's going on? Tell me what's going on. And he grabs Sif, and he's like, tell me what's going on. Balder's ready to take his head off because this earthling is touching Sif, who was Thor's woman. And finally, Blake realizes they're not going to talk to him in his current garb. So he says, stand back. This, this is why I know you. And he, his, his cane and turns into Thor. And they're like, oh, it's you. It's you. Okay, we've come to warn you. The enchanters are coming. The enchanters are coming. And he's like, well, they're pretty powerful. Of all the living foes, they're the most powerful, but that's all right. We shall prevail, thus speaks Thor. I like the way he does that. Anytime something's going bad, he just says, thus speaks Thor, and he wins. So apparently there's power in them little statements there. And Sif is getting all um, dewy-eyed over there in the corner going, oh, if I'm just right here with you, I feel so safe and secure because you are the noblest, the mightiest, the most gallant. And Baldur's like, well, fine. Feeling all hurt. And Thor's like, Baldur, you're so quiet. Why aren't you rallying a cry here? And he's like, I've got a lot to think about. So while they're all gathering together and, and Baldur's being all jealous, two flashes Two objects streak through the sky, and the enchanters land on Earth. And that's the end of this issue. We shall pick this back up next issue. All right. Pretty cool. Um, I don't know why they sent two to Earth rather than one to Earth and two to Odin. I know. You would think that that, because Odin's got all those guards around him, too. Yeah, you'd think they'd be more worried about Odin. Than those three piddly little Asgardians on Earth. So that, that struck me as kind of odd. Me, too. All right, our third book today is the uh, 2011 volume of Journey into Mystery, issue 626.1. If you haven't read this, this is the time that you la-la-la with your fingers in your ear. They uh, used a point one on a lot of Marvel books for a little while as kind of a gimmick to try to signify that that issue was a good jumping-on point for new people. Now... In this particular one, I probably would have to disagree because, as far as I know, the story from 626 didn't end. Mm -mm. So, I mean, it'll be continued in 627, and yet this happens right in between. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, there's also a little note here that says that this issue takes place between panels 4 and 5 on page 21 of Journey into Mystery 622, which was way back when Loki first got the idea of trying to put together his own team to help Thor Asgard with this thing that he knew was coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, The creators are Rob Roddy, I guess, or Rodi, R-O-D-I. Pasquale Ferry is the artist, Frank Diamata the colorist, and Clayton Cowles did the letters. So the book opens uh, initially with Oki Oki? (laughs) from Muskogee, uh, with Loki kind of pondering why nobody ever believes him. How, <laughs> how can that even be a question? I don't know. I mean, he has knowledge of his future, mm-hmm. or his past selves. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so in an effort to, um, what is that? Why is everybody always picking, picking on, on me? me. <laughs> yeah. he's, a, he's our own little Asgardian Charlie Brown. Yes, he is. He's a clown. That's right. He's going to get caught. Just you wait and see. He's um, scribbling runes onto the, or not scribbling, but um, drawing, inscribing, there's the word, inscribing runes onto the floor of the room he's in, talking to Eichel about what he's doing and what's bothering him and la, 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 a bunch of exposition that just... I don't think was necessary. But ultimately what Thor does is he summons... Loki. Someone's Balder. Wow. Okay. Loki. Mm -hmm. Summons. Uh Someone from the Eldritch realm. Um, Does dude ever give his name? I don't think so. Because names are power. Yes. If you have someone's name, you have power over them. Yes. Which is the very first discussion that Loki has with this eldritch being because the eldritch being asks Loki for his name. Mm -hmm. And Loki quickly explains why he's not going to give him his name. And she says it doesn't matter who you are anyway, Loki. 
Oh, really? Yes. She? I think it's a she. Do you? Okay. I, I just assumed it was male. I, assume, I think it's a girl. That's interesting. Okay. As you can tell by our discussions, it's kind of... Uh, Hard to tell. An, an androgynous kind of creature. You can't really... I mean, you know, there's no... It does have boobs. long hair and a dress, which is why I'm assuming it's a girl. It could be a priest, an older priest. Long hair and a dress with pink bubbles going no, around it. No boobs, which is just energy, and no genitalia showing. So you really have no way of knowing what it is. I would say since there's no boobs that it's male. Okay. Because you know modern comic book artists take the opportunity when they have it to draw boobs. Oh, yes. I mean, come on. Oh, yes. You know. Loki Ridiculous would have sizes. boobs if he wasn't like eight. Yep. So, I'm surprised they've been so um, reserved with Sif. Well, they haven't. Remember the well, one yeah, scene they kind of have. Where Loki... Compared to some of the others well, that yeah. you've shown me. I yeah. mean, Sif is maybe a C, and some of those others are like <laughs> double Ds to an she's, E. <laughs> she's talking cup size, folks, just in case you're curious. Every time as I'm reading through books, I, I find a... A, a female, I always ask. Ridiculously endowed. I always, Not just well endowed, ridiculously endowed. Like, how in the world can she move without them getting in the way endowed? My, my question is always, what world is this person representative of? Because I'm not familiar no. with it. So. No. <laughs> so anyways, Loki is sitting down talking to this eldritch being, saying that he needs uh, a boon of the, of the being. And the, the eldritch person says, I can do that for a price. And Loki asks him, well, what's the price? And the being says, later, do you agree? And so Loki thinks about it and ponders, and he's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll agree to your price. So then the eldritch being directs him to ask, you know, what, what boon is it that you want of me? And Loki says that he wants to know what other people in Asgard are thinking about him or what they think about him. And really, he could have just gone to them and asked, and I'm sure they all would have been quite happy to tell him. No. Not necessarily. Okay. Volstagg has has, has not been very reticent. Volstagg, yes. He He has not been reticent about his feelings for Loki. He tells him to his face, but I have to leave you alone because I promised Thor. But there, there are those ways of putting things across and whatnot that will occur without him. Mm-hmm. You know, people will be more honest about what they say when you're not looking someone well, right true. in the eye and saying that's so. True. And I think that's what he's after. He's he's not worried that they wouldn't tell him the truth, but he wants the truth of what they feel okay. about him. So his first. Uh, the, the first people that he asks to, I guess, like, be tapped into are the Warriors Three, Hogan, Fandral, and Falstock. So the Eldritch being, um, we don't really know how because the scene shifts to those people. Uh, it's not like Loki gets transported or anything like that, so I don't know. Let's say that the, the Eldritch being opens up... A, TV screen and Loki can see it playing out like we see it playing out. So, so basically, or not basically, excuse me. So the the first one here are the Warriors Three, and they're sitting around a fire. Uh, looks like they're feasting pretty well. And the person speaking is Hogum the Grim, primarily. And basically, his his thoughts are. He, he doesn't quite understand why Thor slash everyone is being so nice to Loki. Because it was due to Loki that Asgard fell. And then after it was trashed and everything, Loki came back. And then died and came back again. And so he, he just can't uh, understand why, you know, Thor brought Loki back both times. Mm-hmm. And, and he just, he cannot understand that, knowing that Loki was the one who, this time, was responsible for the total, uh, not total, but the, just the devastation that befell the uh, the castle Asgard, and actually the land of Asgard itself, too, now that it's uh, directly connected to Earth like that. Mm-hmm. So, 
So then we fade out and back into the eldritch being and Loki. I guess just to show that they're still engaged. I'm not sure why they decided to do that. We, we could have just gone on and, and seen the rest of the scene. Uh, now, Fandral, the fair, is talking. And basically, he just continues what Hogram has been saying. He's listing all of uh, Loki's more prevalent traits. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's slanderous. Um, talking about everything that Loki's done to Thor. Abusive. He's abducted Thor. He's assailed Thor. Uh, Thor has gotten away, but usually just by the skin of his teeth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like Loki almost got him many, many, many times over. And again, uh, Fandral just echoes, I, I, I don't understand. And then um, Volstagg jumps in and says, well, you know, I don't care what Thor says about him. I look at Loki and I see the same Loki that I have always seen. Mm -hmm. So even, you know, he might have Thor fooled and Loki may think he's different, but I look at him and I see the same Loki. And I think it's funny that one of the reasons Volstagg does not trust Loki is because he doesn't eat. He's like, we're sitting down to dinner, and he is feasting with his eyes, trying to figure out what he's going to do next. He's not feasting with his mouth. He's not eating. I don't trust anybody who doesn't eat. something wrong with that. Yeah, there's something wrong with that. I think I agree with all stuff. So next, Loki says that he wants to know what the Lady Sif thinks of him. So the scene fades to the Lady Sif being attended to by Brunhilde who is the, maybe she's not the, but she is a Valkyrie. Uh, Probably the most famous Valkyrie in the Marvel Universe. She is the character that appears on Earth as Valkyrie. Uh, She's been in Defenders. Mm, I guess she's been in Defenders. I can't think off the top of my head any other group. But she's also made appearances uh, here within the last two or three years since Asgard crashed to Earth and Thor brought all the Asgardians back, there was a Valkyrie one-shot because they used the opportunity to clear up her um, origin and everything that had become very convoluted. And with Thor basically just going back and plucking Asgardians back into our reality, it was a good spot to kind of start all over with any of them. Mm -hmm. And they did this with Valkyrie on Earth. Now, her given name is Brunhilde, and so that's what she goes by when she's in Asgard. But turns out she is, well, she might not be Sif's handmaiden. She just may. Probably just her friend. She's another strong woman that Sif can. Yeah, a warrior, a warrior woman. Sif can talk to and relate to. Uh, Sif does acknowledge, though, that she is one of the Valkyrie. Uh, the Valkyrie are the Odin's handmaidens. Mm-hmm. They escort the honorable dead from the battlefield to the halls of Valhalla, which is where supposedly they uh, exist until uh, Ragnarok, at which point they will all come back to fight uh, on the side of Asgard during the last great battle. So as the warriors die, they're escorted by the Valkyrie to Valhalla. Um, Now, the Valkyrie have been used by Hela at times to transport people down. You have the handmaidens of Odin's father, who became the Desir. So there's all kinds of different permutations there. Uh So uh, Brunhilde is is trying to kind of temper what she thinks is Sif's uh, dislike for Loki, saying that everything that happened in the past was erased. And I'm not sure if she's referring to this current young Loki or the previous Loki that came back as a female. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, she says, and not only that, but... So she must be talking about the female. Loki gave his life to try to save Asgard. 
and Sif is like, well, but you know, if he if he died trying to save Asgard, why is he back? Which was explained. I mean, we know Thor brought him back. Mm-hmm. So now she doesn't understand why Thor brought him back. Yeah, but that, yeah, that's not exactly what she says, though. Uh, that's that's the but, way I read it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that would have to be the way. I mean, Brunhilde is saying you have to read it. You kind of have to accept it, Sif, because he is the brother of the one you love, and he has brought him back for a reason. So you need to let go of this animosity. And Sif's like, "Well, yeah, we'll see." <laughs> you know, I'm, she she has probably as long a history with Loki, Loki messing things up as mm-hmm. with Thor uh, being nice to her. So yeah. So the uh, the Eldritch figure uh, makes the comments. Oh, you know, wow! Even the fair sex don't like you. You you must really be a a, a, a rogue. And he uh, Loki thinks one more time, and he thinks, well, who else? And then he tells the Eldritch being that he wants to know what Odin thinks of him. So we cut to Odin and Heimdall. Uh, Heimdall has kind of recently risen in stature. He is Odin's most trusted Asgardian. Mm-hmm. Even more than his son Thor, even more than Balder, even more, well actually Balder's dead, but more than anybody, uh, Heimdall is kind of his um, common man counselor. Mm-hmm. You know, as the Asgardian, as, as an Asgardian, what do you think about? And that that's the way they've been portraying Heimdall in this but in this instance, Heimdall has beseeched Odin for audience to speak to him rather than having been requested. There's something weighing on Heimdall that he wants to go to Odin and tell him, um, which also indicates the position that he must have with Odin, because I doubt very many other Asgardians could get away with going to Odin and basically speaking their mind. Yeah. But Odin trusts Heimdall enough and... Heimdall is fairly measured in what he says. I mean, he doesn't get, you know, real nasty with his views or his beliefs or anything like that. But basically, Heimdall asks, you know, why do you allow this to continue with Loki? Um, You know, whether it's Thor, whether whoever is doing it, it doesn't matter. Why do you allow it to continue? Knowing that he is who he is, Mm -hmm. you allow him free and complete access, He, you know, walks around like anybody else. you know nobody's watching him or why why do you allow that to happen and basically odin says that he does it um because of thor i like that what would you have me do killing uh, well uh, you know and, and Kimball's like no just send him away <laughs> I, i'm sure there's a lot of asgardians that would say yes uh-huh. yeah get rid of him but um yeah so he um, he hopes that that Loki coming back young this time will help him uh, perhaps learn differently than he did previously. So there's only been like the one time that Loki has quote unquote grown up, and that was the original Loki. Mm-hmm. The Loki that came back as a female came back fully formed, full mind. You know, it was an adult. So. There was very little learning there, but Odin is hoping that in the course of, of doing this, that Loki will learn to to not be the Loki that there previously was. That's that's his 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 main hope. Also, the fact that Thor wants it done, and he's letting Thor have his way for yeah, now. Yeah, he's almost honor bound to to do for his son what he can do. So we um, cut back to the Eldritch being. And Loki. And, you know, they have a little discussion. Well, are you any happier or better off with the information you have now? And, uh, you know, Loki's like, well, you know, I guess so. I I never really realized that everybody distrusts me as much as they do. So, um, they've, they, uh, basically finish up their conversation but then the eldritch being is like well you know there's somebody else that you probably would be interested in knowing what they think and, and that's Thor himself 
And Loki says no. Loki doesn't want to spoil that. He has his belief of what Thor thinks of him, and he wants it to stay at that. He doesn't want to know the truth on the off chance that what he thinks and what Thor thinks doesn't match up. So he can take everyone else. He can take knowing everyone else doesn't like him. He couldn't take knowing that Thor didn't like him. Right, if or that, trusting. If that were the case, mm-hmm. which we don't know, but I would suspect that uh, it's not true. I think Thor does trust him. No idea why, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I think he does. So then after all that, you know, Loki's like, okay, you know, well, thanks. You can uh, head back home. It's been good talking to you. And the Eldritch being is like, no. You know, there's there's my payment that you agreed to. And Loki was like, oh, okay. Um, what is it that you want? And the Eldritch being says, well, I want your tale, your origin, your your story, your story. And Loki's like, uh, no, you know, he, that would be too much information about me. You're you're not going to get it. And the creature thinks that he's trying to renege on the deal and starts to attack him to uh, draw him into the realm that the being is from. Loki's putting up a fight, trying not to. The being is saying, you know, you made the, the deal and this is what my part of the deal was. You never asked me what it was. You should have asked so that you would know. And Just as he's about to, to finish Loki off, draw him. Actually, what he's trying to do is he's trying to, like, ingest Loki. But mm-hmm. I think that what it will do is just transport him to his realm. I don't think it'll be, like, real eating. Yeah. And uh, at the last moment, Thor busts in. He saves Loki, sends the eldritch being back, and Loki asks, well, you know, thanks a lot, but how did you know? And basically Thor just says, uh, I just had a feeling. You know, he's like, you didn't hear me call? And Thor's like, no, I just got this, you know, buzz that you needed help. So I went looking for you and found you. It was I call. I call went and got him? Uh-huh. Okay. Thor says, I, I heard a voice clear as a bell, but I can't imagine what the source was or where it came from. And I calls in the background going, <clears throat> oh, is he? I miss mm-hmm. it. Oh, here it is. He's sitting right next to Thor. He says, <clears throat> it was okay. me. Okay. I missed that. So we finish up here with Thor patting Loki on the head. You know, they're there. Always be there to help you. Da-da-da-da-da-da. And the eldritch being, meanwhile, says, well, I almost had him. But we still have our bargain. I'll just collect on it later. And so that, that'd be cool if, to see him come up again. Mm-hmm. And that is the end of 626.1, Journey into Mystery. So I believe that probably will also be everything that uh, we were wanting to talk about here on the show today. Yes. Um, do want to mention a couple things on the website are two tabs up in the upper left hand corner where the near where the about tab is to to tell you about the website there's one tab labeled ask guardians and one tab labeled villains and under each will be those that we have talked about already um, maybe not too big a deal with the villains but i had somebody ask about several of the as guardians that weren't in there and it was simply because we haven't run across them and, and had them definitely defined for us in the stories so when we do they'll go up on the on the list I believe the Asgardians are alphabetized and the villains are gathered by appearance mm-hmm. chronologically so uh, the website is comicbooknoise.com slash Thor where the shows get posted and there's a, a space there to leave comments you can leave comments on either of the lists if you have any questions or you feel anything's been left out, anything like that, you can email us at themightythorpodcast at gmail.com. We do have a Facebook fan page, The Mighty Thorcast. If you do download us from iTunes, please take a second and leave us some iTunes review. We, we would definitely appreciate that. 
want to thank Mr. Coward. Um, he's the technical man behind our shows, and we appreciate everything he does for us. Yes, we do. Terry, anything else that you want to add? No, just uh, join us back here next time we get together to, to see what happens with the Enchanters. We've left them ready to deal with Lady Sith and Balder and Thor and Odin. That reminds me, uh, next episode we will be talking about the Mighty Thor 1966 volume issues 144 and 145 and the Mighty Thor 2011 volume issue number 5, which will be the most current, the currentest issue of Thor. The newest, best and brightest. Yes, Thor that keeps going on, not being rebooted like all the DC books are being All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you stopping by and listening in. Um, Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. And uh, come back here in a couple weeks to listen to the next episode. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. This is a Teal Production.